The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 130 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier, and before we get into this week's episode, I do want to thank some of our reviewers. On Facebook, we had, uh, I think, D. Brian Madlock. I think we had missed, you did one a couple of weeks ago, and I think I missed it. I apologize. Thank you for the kind words. Also, Gene Chidester, thank you so much for your recommendations on Facebook. We certainly appreciate it. And then we had three new five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. So thank you to Story Alchemist, Sons Only, and the third one, Dee McCracken, who actually uh, we figured out or in the review uh, that we had met before. And uh, I know this person's mom and what a wonderful soul she is. And so that was really fun to kind of uh, reconnect on that level. So thank you all so much. The reviews just mean the world to us. We've got a great show for you. And if it's funny to you that we're not talking about coronavirus at all, that's because we recorded this a few weeks ago. Hard to believe, but we were still doing public events and all kinds of things. And It just wasn't even on our minds. I hope you'll enjoy this as an escape that we're not talking about it. But as you are locked into your homes and quarantining and all that good stuff, you may be looking for some entertainment. And so we've got a great, great story for you this week. My guest, Matt Brown, is the CEO of Living Scriptures. And what a fantastic conversation uh, we had. And I just think Matt is phenomenal. You'll really enjoy it. And this week in my Latter-day life, what I really needed, more or less this week. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And this week here in the Latter-day Live studios, we have the CEO of a company that I think almost every Latter-day Saint knows Living Scriptures. Matt Brown, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm so excited to hear all about Living Scriptures. It's been a big part of our family for many, many years. But before we get into all that, let's get to know you. Matt, tell us a little bit about uh, where you're from and where you grew up. All right. Well, I... Uh... I grew up in Layton. I kind of had a pretty idyllic childhood. Yeah, and Layton um, for our, our listeners outside of Utah, northern Utah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so um, just, you know, enjoyed. I, I grew up with five sisters, only boy. Really? So I'm sure that molded my life a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm the third of, of the five. And so you were squeezed right in the middle. Right, right. Of a sister sandwich. A sister, that, definitely. Two definitely. on each side. Wow. <laughs> I've always been uh, very comfortable with the ladies, I guess. Yeah. But uh, um, it, it's just been a good thing, too, because it's allowed me to be able to be, you know, very approachable. Sure. And, yeah. yeah. It's awesome. 
Uh, and you are clearly, I mean, knowing your family history, you grew up in the church. Yes, yes. And that so, was a big part of your life. Uh-huh, yep. Just enjoyed, you know, growing up there and kind of, I mean, maybe you call it a bubble a bit, but uh, really just had a great childhood. And um, my relationship with the church just kind of was pretty natural. I was, you know, growing up with living scriptures, right? I mean, we, yeah. we had a focus of the scriptures in my house. And so from a very young age, um, there's there's a love for the scriptures. And, and I feel like I'm doing that with my kids, you know. It's awesome. like, <laughs> so maybe this is bad, but uh, you know, it's like, hey, if you guys don't behave, we're not going to get the scriptures tonight. <laughs> <laughs> now, for us, the scriptures actually comes uh, out of um, th- those. It's called Promised Land Publications, yeah. and those are those big blue books. And yeah. so, I don't know. I think my wife picked them up at DI. They're still kind of floating around there. And I've so, not seen those. Oh, you have it. Okay, no, they're no. they're they're really pretty well done. Um, they've yeah. got artwork, and there's 16 volumes of oh, them. Beautiful. And so, you really and it just tones down the language a little bit so my kids yeah. can kind of get it. Yeah, that, oh, that is so neat. I can I can hear your love for the scriptures, which is awesome. What what else were you into as as a kid? Yeah, you... oh, my hobbies. You know, I again, I deal with a lot of stuff just I was a, I've always been kind of a master of all things and or sorry, a jack of all trades and master a master of none. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, uh, tennis, golf, you know, a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, definitely got into ping pong heavy. No and joke. I was one of the better ping pong players. I usually, uh, we had a teacher in sixth grade that, that had a table. And so that was the rage in, in my growing <laughs> up years and a lot of ping pong. Um, That's really fun. What else? Uh, skiing, you know, just kind yeah. of a lot of the fun, good stuff, and uh, but never really got good at any of it. So I kind of felt bad about that for quite a long time. Yeah, but I found that especially in stuff like ping pong and tennis, if you are good, then in most circles you're great. Yeah, like if you go to a party, oh, I'll most destroy people everyone. Good, you can destroy <laughs> everybody. Maybe you're not ping pong master level, but <laughs> no, that's fun. Uh, uh, so then, uh, let's see, you you graduate high school. Yeah, time for a mission. Yep. And so um, in high school, uh, you know, I was an academic, you know, that really that's where, you know, by eighth grade um, was a a big deal for me. All of a sudden I got it by first 4.0 and I was like, to me, that was really like, you know, crack cocaine. I'm like, I I can do this. And I I think I can do this again. And so more grades. (laughs) I know. Right. Isn't that funny? And so I had a 4.0 all the way up until my junior year when my (laughs) high school choir teacher and a history teacher, you know, just were a little bit on the tougher side. And anyway, um, but I, you know, I came out one of the top graduating and, and, you know, but, but academics kind of came naturally, but it was more on the, I, I can work hard and I can get there. Yeah, that's impressive. I'm always impressed by people who get good grades. So that's great. <laughs> so then um, after high school, um, went to BYU for the first year and that was kind of a fun party. I, I enjoyed, you know, the freshman yeah. before the mission. Did you know what you wanted to study or did you just go You know, it's it's kind of like you know when you the, the path isn't super clear but you right. kind of have enough shades and shadows there's some mm. little hints in the patriarchal blessing and little things that just basically kind of said i, I think i want to do what my dad does and yeah. so growing up seeing him and as a, as a business guy and i thought you know business seems like fun and and you know i, I don't know that just kind of was always my natural yeah. thought but it wasn't like it was kind of awkward actually because in some ways my dad was like well you know in order to do this you have to be amazing and you know, so <laughs> i not quite like that but like you know he basically was like um you need to you need to know how to sell you need to sell this is we're a sales business and therefore um if you can't sell you know you're of no value to us kind of thing in the business and so it was like that was a lot of pressure because i knew i wasn't like a super salesman either right Mm. 
When you were at BYU, were you already thinking, okay, I'm going to go into the family business for yeah, sure? Yeah, yeah. Not for sure. No, okay. definitely not for sure. But just kind of always gravitating, always kind of feeling like... And, and I guess the, the story there is that I think it was around 8th... No, it had been... Yeah, around 8th or ninth grade. Um, there was... You know, there's been... The business itself has had a bit of a polarizing effect, especially in the beginning. You know, when mm-hmm. we first... When the business first launched the animated stories, there was like... Heresy, heresy! How could you do this to the scriptures? I know that you raise your eyebrows, going, "Wow, that's surprising <laughs> to me!" Yeah. Right? And there was some very conservative people in the church that just, and there still are. There's people that just don't believe that there should be dramatizations or it should just be, you know, purely straight out of the, the you know. And so, so that was really kind of like this big landmark thing that again there was a polarization then there was the you know another huge part of the group that was just like this is the most wonderful thing that's ever been done right and so what happened though is the church there were certain people in the church that were attacking us and so i i personally was having a little bit of a faith crisis it's like hey well i thought that what you know my family's doing is good but then there's people who think it's not good and so this is this is kind of a pivotal moment for me in my career and that was that you know there was kind of a spiritual confirmation that what we're doing is virtuous, lovely, praiseworthy, of good report, yeah. and and therefore, um, I, I I felt pretty strongly at that point that I want to I want I think I want to be a part of this. I think I want to have something there. Awesome. Oh, that's neat to get it that young too. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure it guided you quite a bit. But but it wasn't like oh, you know, sure, yeah. it wasn't the door right. that said this is it. It was just like, hey, yeah. I I love what we do. I believe in what we do. You know, and maybe someday there'll be a place for me. It's kind of where I really, you know, put myself. It's awesome. Oh, that's so great. So you go on a mission. Where'd mm-hmm. you serve? I served in Argentina. Oh yeah, what mission was that? <laughs> Neoken. So the most south. They've kind of chopped it up a little bit, um, but uh, it was it was really. You know, I remember when I first started feeling so far away because yeah. we're at the very bottom city of the of the before the island there. Yeah. It was great, you know, yeah. um, hard, hard for me, you know, because again, that it, people I find that are good at sales are really pretty good at missions, you know, yeah. <laughs> just, you know, because they have a natural affinity towards people. And, right. and so me, I'm a little bit more introverted, not super introverted, but, yeah. um, you know, I don't wear things on my sleeve, perhaps. And so um, it's always been hard for me to share the gospel a little bit, but... I guess that's why I can hide behind a, a, a streaming service or whatever, yeah. you know, a business in a sense. I, I think it's great, though, that you say it was hard. We had yeah. Kristen Reber here a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, and, and she came came home from her mission early when she got sick. But she does a podcast and has written books and all kinds of things about missionaries coming home early. And her theory is one of the things is we don't talk about enough about how hard it is. Yeah, yeah. Mission is hard. Yeah. And we, we instead... Show the the kind of the glory the the five minute teaser reel of it's all amazing and yeah. people are getting baptized and so and, I think it's important you and, share that and, it's and hard. this is just an opinion but um for me having that first year of college was probably extremely important for me mm. because I I definitely had a bout of homesickness there too. And even though I'm in Provo from, you know, <laughs> you know an hour away. But it's real. But it, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not really, that. it's an emotional homesickness, yeah. right? It's a, wow, some of these heart strings just got cut, and I'm kind of emotionally on my own a little bit more. And boy, that's, that's a reality of life. That really is something that um, we, we don't prepare, I think, people enough for. So you come home from your mission. Uh-huh. 
What came next? Oh boy, you know, again, it's just get back to college, you know, figure out your career and, or at least your, your major. And I struggled with that. I really did. You know, it was kind of like, well, I think I want, you know, want to be involved with the business, but what should I do? And, you know, should I, I, I and I still kind of feel this way. It's like business school can only take you so far, mm. you know, and yeah. in business, there's a lot of natural, and just like any career, there's a lot of natural affinities that you will have. And that's, you know, those are the things that really have to be explored. Although, you know, they're going to teach you a lot of really good things that are going to help you. And so, so finally, um, I, you know, honestly, I guess I've always been up for the challenge, and I met my challenge in the BYU accounting program, and I, I got accounting, yeah, right, wow, <laughs> and I guess you know it was kind of like, well, you know, I think I'm a little weaker in that area, so why don't I go on that area, right, and so. Um, and I think that was good overall. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, every so, probably every couple of years, I'm kind of like, ah, I should have done computer programming. That would have been way better for me. Or, <laughs> I should have done graphics design. Not that I even am an artist, but I'm like, you know, just the layout yeah, and all yeah. that. I know at some point you you ended up getting married. Was that while you were no, at BYU? No, no, I was. I, you know, and I think it had to do with that five sister factor. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got to be my own man for a while. Well, it, it, it wasn't so much on the negative side as I was probably too comfortable with women. You know? Oh yeah. And so it was kind of like they were my sisters, and it's like, well, you know, and, I, and I had very very high expectations. You yeah. know, I was just overly expectation and yeah. overly comfortable, and those I think really worked against me for several years you know and so i was 10 years in the singles wards you know that was a oh, long awesome. time so so at byu uh you graduate was it sort of did you know the what the next step was no no and and actually you know it was kind of it may be serendipitous i don't probably um and that is that i just was like well i'm gonna get my mba you know that was kind of my goal from the get-go and that's why like accounting what do i do should i just do yeah. something totally different and i didn't kind of have like the coaching to know kind of the, the path and stuff but in the end um so i'm like okay well i'm just gonna go straight on and get my mba and i didn't know anything about like you're supposed to have at least two years of experience and so and so all of a sudden i had missed all the recruiting for the accounting side. And so I'm like, oh, once I found that out, then I was like, oh, crud, I've got to really get in if I want to be with one of the yeah. big five firms And at that point. And I got you know an interview with Arthur Anderson. And anyway, they, mm. they didn't end up um, you know hiring me. And so I'm kind of like, well, now what am I going to do? And so this is where my dad steps in. He's like, well, you know, you can go down and work for our sister company down in Dallas that markets to the Christian church. And so I'm like, all right, that sounds like probably, you know, a good educational thing. If I'm going to be part of the business, that's yeah. probably a good place to go. And so that's, that's I headed down to Dallas for a couple What did of you years. think of Dallas? What's that? What did you think of Dallas? I thought Dallas was wonderful. Yeah. Um, definitely from the mountainous that's not there. My gosh, <laughs> Dallas is flat. It, it is um, geographically boring, I would say. But um, but the people there are really, I, I don't know, special. That's kind of yeah. a funny term, but they're just... They're kind, loving, good people, and they and, love people. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. they're great. I, it's interesting. People have a hard time coming to Utah and driving, getting used to the north, south, east, west. Oh, okay, yeah. Every time I go to Dallas, the way they do frontage roads and exits off of freeways. Yeah, yeah. No, that's is the hardest thing for me to figure <laughs> out. You know, and I end up driving past the place I'm supposed to be <laughs> ten times, and there's no exit. Oh, they kind of have that frontage road, but it's a culture shock. Yeah. I mean. Dallas is not necessarily, I mean, it is the Bible Belt. Mm -hmm. It is. It's a, it's a lot of very strong born-again Christians, yeah, yeah. and they don't necessarily take to our faith 
instantly. And I don't, I'm, I'm painting with a very broad brush yeah, on yeah, purpose. Yeah. But that, that's, that's really softened a lot. And that's why we had a company down there. In other words, you know, today I would be talking at the film festival and, on the Christian market. And I think, honestly, we, we, we know the Christian market as well as anybody because yeah. we, we realized back in those days, you had to be like, you know, there's no LDS, not not no yeah. LDS affici- affiliation, but we had to set up an advisory board and put up a company in this other area because we wanted these Christian, you know, uh, our animated stories to go right. to the Christian market. They weren't designed to be LDS, you know, and and you know, you you can just get it right out of the Bible. So there wasn't a lot of interpretation problems. But yet, if anybody found out that some Mormons had had made these films, I mean, it was like you yeah, know, pandemonium. Where, what's the where's the hidden message in them? That, yeah. <laughs> All right. So this would be a good time. To to go back and yeah. let's go back and kind of tell the story of living scriptures yeah, because yeah. I want to hear about this other company I knew nothing oh, about. Oh, there's a long, long yeah. story, and I, you know, we probably won't have time for all of the living scriptures. <laughs> well, let's get stories, the 30,000 right, 30, um, foot view of it. So here we go. Uh, back in 1970 ish, and we'll even go a little further back. My dad, uh, you know, he grew up very poor. And he, at a certain point, kind of was like, made up his mind, I'm not going to be poor. Mm. Awesome. <laughs> I'm not settling for poor. I'm and, and not necessarily rich, but I'm not going to be poor. And yeah. so, and then his personality, uh, he, he, he learned basically in college selling dry cleaning at first, right? And so he all of a sudden learned like, I'm extremely driven. I'm extreme. I'm pretty good with people. I'm very good at convincing. And all of a sudden, he can se- he can't sell enough dry cleaning. And he had this whole system to be able to like because it was like about get- dry cleaning these the the girls' dresses for the dances, especially. And so he'd build this whole clientele, and he'd come oh, and, and, and he'd provide extra service to them. Like if you need me, and you know you have a dress or something that you need done, I'll come that very second. You know, and so so the whole thing kind of started with dry, dry cleaning, right? And so then. Moved on. Um, once he realized that he was good at that, then he started to he he got recruited or whatever into this c- company called Promised Land Publications, mm. and that's these big blue books. And they're just so uh, you know they were good, and and so then he it immediately became one of their top salespeople. And and then this is where the story gets kind of interesting. Was it selling like door to door? Yes, or was absolutely. It? You know, because c- you got sixteen volumes. I think they kind of did a monthly program. It was probably like about thirty to forty dollars a month. Very yeah. similar to what we ended up doing. Yeah. And, and so, you know, these books, well, the problem was, is they, they, they said, we're a publishing company and they kind of, well, this is, this is the story my dad tells, right? Yeah. Is sure. that, uh, <laughs> and so they, they, they basically ended up, um, starting to alienate the salespeople. But yet, this is really weird. They were giving out stock as a bonus to the salespeople in a mm. private company. And what ended up happening is my dad and a few others were like disgruntled and they're like, we can get enough money or enough stock. We can we can do a hostile takeover of this company. Wow. <laughs> wow. Business intrigue in the Latter-day Saint publishing world. And so what ended up happening is, uh, you'll love that this is a fun story. So then... Um, they they don't make it like somebody finds out or whatever and so they they end up like firing the whole bunch of them and there's litigation and the whole thing kind of just craters and they were like at 40 something percent by then and so it was like they were really close and and the funny thing is i guess the president of the company would have sided with them but he couldn't reach out to them for legal reasons and so anyway what ended up happening is they basically had to settle sell their stock back to the company and and the interesting piece is that um, a man by the name of orrin hatch was the litigator on the other side 
died. No So kidding. this is very, very funny. But Senator Orrin Hatch. Senator Orrin Hatch was litigating <laughs> my father. And and when the whole thing got settled and done, um, Orrin Hatch, now again, I still, I, I would like to ask him how he got the rights to Seventh-day Adventist Bible tapes that were dramatized. I don't what? know where he got this, but he had this whole series. And so he's like, hey, Jared Brown, like, you know, you seem like a pretty good guy. And why don't you go into business with me? <laughs> I've got the rights to this. You're a good sales guy. And so he and, and his partner, um, that basically brought on a partner who was one of the other top salespeople. Um, his name's Selden Young, and so I still work with him, too. And they got together and started this company, Living Scriptures. That is amazing. So Orrin Hatch <laughs> yeah. was an original partner. I mean, he, he didn't own a piece of the company. He was licensing to them. He was licensing the okay mm-hmm. to them. And it was for Seventh-day Adventists? Uh-huh. Bible tapes. Bible tapes. Yeah. And so they're, you know, dramatized like the old radio broadcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what they'd have to say, too, is they'd say, well, the first one on Adam and Eve really uh, is terrible. You won't want to listen to it. So don't listen to that one because it, it doesn't jive with your, you know, our religion. But everything else is great. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how they had to sell that. That is so amazing. Yep. And it was your dad, and was it a partner also? Yeah, Selden Young. So Selden Young was a partner mm-hmm. in this. 50-50 partners. Okay, so it starts off with these tapes. They're going out, and it was just audio. Yep. Purely, they're door-to-door selling audio cassettes. Yep. I hate that I'm old enough that this all makes sense to me because <laughs> I can actually see all of this. But so then how does it, uh, what, and so how then does it transform kind of the there? next, the next step was um, there, there became some, I guess, questions on rights issues. And so they were concerned. They started getting concerned that maybe um, that they might either lose the rights or that, that um, someone would come back and say, Oh, you owe us all this money. Yeah. And so they started putting away a little bit of money in case there was these rights issue that, right. you know, it really boiled over it never did and so um basically then they said well we've got all this money here that we've put aside which was great let's make our own to replace it so we don't have to worry about it anymore Mm, and that's how production began and it was audio still Uh just audio Uh Yep. Very cool. Yep. And again, the audio was kind of the rage at that point. It was like, hey, we've got these new cassettes. You know, we're yeah. done with the eight tracks and we now have, and the 45s and all that. And now we got these cassettes. And so cassettes really grew. I mean, it was a big yeah. deal. And, and so um, then the basically Living Scriptures, and actually you can still go into many, many church libraries and still see uh, some of our dramatized stuff sitting on the shelves. And you're like, who's holding on to this stuff? That is amazing. <laughs> no, I remember growing up, we had. You know, it looked like a giant book, uh-huh. but it was really a plastic molded uh-huh, binder exactly. that the tapes would snap into. Mm-hmm. We had ones from Paul Dunn and from Skousen and yep. from, you know, all these, and it would be a series of 10 tapes, you know, and it was a talk. Yep. and. And on a Sunday, you'd pop them in and you'd sit and listen, or when you're driving in your car. And especially because these were radio broadcasts and stuff. And so I guess the next little level there was um, they were okay. They were done all right. But um, how did my dad get connected to uh, Orson Scott Card? And so basically, Mm. I'm not sure exactly how he found him now at the moment. But um, at some point, he he learned that Orson Scott Card was a great writer. And so he brought him on and said, I want you to write for us. And that really, I mean, the 
truthfully, that was probably the next major catalyst for the Living Scriptures because the the quality of the stories improved so much that people just grew to love them. And and in all honesty, you can learn so much of church history listening to our thirty six hours of church history, um, and, and those are still phenomenally well done. You got you know the voice of Joseph and Emma, and they're so well acted and so well done. Um, you know, and it's, to me, it's a little sad that we don't you know do more of that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, it's one of my passion projects someday is just to put them all up on a podcast kind of thing so people can right. just go listen to them, right? Yeah. So they're, they're in this audio world. They've saved up the money. Yep, yep. What was the next step? So the next step um, basically was they'd done seven series, and let's see how this all played out. They, I, I know my dad was, I think, you know, VHS was still kind of brand new, and I guess, you know, on this one, they decided that he was going to go do tours in Israel was kind of a big deal, still is these days. Yeah, still. And, and so they said, well, my dad had uh, Cleon Skousen as a religion professor at BYU, and I think they'd had a little friendship, and so he reached out, and eventually they did a little VHS thing, and they went out to Israel. And guess who, they, who the cinematographer was? T.C. Christensen. You know, no kidding. I don't know if he was like fresh out of college or what, but wow. you know, he, was, he was still early, early early on his career. And so they developed a really good friendship. And um, he always calls him Big J, my dad, because he's so kind of a funny. dynamic guy. And so anyway, they, they film out there in, in, in uh, Israel. And, you know, some a lot of really funny things and almost got, basically, they somehow got connected to the prime minister because they got like thrown in jail for filming in the wrong place and some big crisis stuff oh happening there. And in, in the end, they got out of, you know, let out and all that. But I mean, crazy stuff out there, yeah. for you know, because if you just don't do things right, at least at that time, you know. You, and this you was can... all still going door to door model. Yep. So yep. now, now they're going in. Yeah, and now saying, you're Here's like, our okay. catalog mm-hmm. of pro- if you give us a half hour, yep. we got these tapes, we've got this video. You can get it all, and okay. yeah, yeah. So then, um, and so then the VHS thing had started, and now um, my dad's on some business travel trip, and they're in a hotel, and he's watching uh, the Roadrunner and Wiley e. Coyote, and <laughs> and just kind of all of a sudden going, we've got to do this, you know. I know yeah. that sounds funny, right? What, R- Roadrunner and Wiley e. Coyote. I never question where inspiration <laughs> comes from, Matt. But never. I mean, it's just like. <laughs> We can do this. You know, we can make yeah. animated films because we've been making these dramatized things for so long. And so at that point, they become really good at, at the, you know, the actual quality of the stories. Um, and they just needed to put the flesh on it with animation. But animation, uh, what, you know, in today's dollars, one 30-minute video is a million dollars. Right? Who's insane enough to go and do that? Was it really that expensive? Yeah, it was really that expensive. Yeah, I guess you know this was we all paid analog. three to four hundred thousand dollars, and again, we're talking nineteen eighty six per, wow. per title. Three to four hundred thousand yeah. per title. And again, in today's dollars, that's very close to a million dollars, and and, yeah. and I've even tried to scope it out. It's still a million dollars, you know, and so basically, um, I, at this point, I think this was like a leap of faith into complete darkness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing but, what's on the other but side. But my dad and his partner were serial entrepreneurs. And it, before this, uh, uh, my, my dad's brother, uh, so they were, you know, trying to do telesales, right? And telemarketing and all that. And, and, and to especially, you know, sell the, the customer base. Hey, by the way, we now have this Cleon Skousen series. Would you like to buy that over the phone? Yeah. And, and so the hard thing, though, is he wanted people to call in on a 1-800 number, but that was 
$5,000 a month. Yeah, they were very <laughs> expensive. And so, so my uncle, you know, my dad's lamenting my, to my uncle, who's one of these like Bill Gates early computer guys. And he's like, I can build a computerized system that will be able to take many, many different businesses. And then we can basically route those calls and, and basically create one of the first telemarketing, like real telemarketing companies, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So yes, you can thank us for uh, well, some of that telemarketing yeah, back in the day, calls. right? But what, uh, what was the first animated title? Um, the first animated title was Nephi and the Brass Plates. Yeah, yep. And that was like I remember seeing that on the cover of the Church News. And again, there was there it was a groundbreaking deal, and it was a big deal. But it didn't, you know. I don't know if my dad ran the ROIs and all that to say how many units the break even analysis, and yeah, and it's like how many units do we need to sell and. It's an exorbitant amount, right? So even even a good sales thing, I just don't know if he had done the scoping of all that. I think he was very, very positive thinking it was just going to be such a runaway success that everybody would want it. And as we talked about, half the people were like, no, this is terrible. And half yeah. the people were great. And so um, so anyway, what ended up happening is after they'd done three or four of these titles, um, they had now $4 million of debt. And the bank was getting oh. very, very nervous going, what are we doing here? And, you you know, is this doesn't seem like such a good investment anymore. And they're starting to freak out. And so that's where this telemarketing company comes back in. And out of the blue, um, a company, one of the Bell companies that had been broken up, um, Cincinnati Bell said, we want to buy this company for a whole lot of money. And so they came in and, and basically, and, and so, you know, to us, that was a huge answer to prayer, a huge answer mm. to, you know, what's going to happen. Because Living Scriptures was on death's door. It was just about to be gone. That's... I don't know any of this, Matt. This is so it, fascinating. It's a, it's a wild. My dad's got a wild life. I mean, that, yes. this is just his uh, business life, his personal, yeah. as far as like all the times he's almost died. You know, that's a whole other conversation. But wow. Um, but anyway, they they came in and dropped so that a money bunch of funded money. the future. That money put them out of debt. You know, funded the future for many years, and so they basically were able to because you know they were doing okay. But the truth is, is the payback on the Book of Mormon stories was ten years. Yeah. Right. And and so if I say, hey, I'll get you your money back in ten years why don't you hand me some money and we'll we'll, we'll get and go into business together you know nobody was was willing to do that and and so but yet but you he know, believed yeah he, he just believed that this was going to be the thing yeah so they started making more and more of yep. these animated movies yep and basically, they ended up going, you know, after they made it, well, they, they, they started with, which I don't know why they did both these series, but they did the New Testament and the Book of Mormon, like alternating mm. right up front. That seemed like almost too much to bite off, but, but they immediately found that the Christian market went nuts over them, right? And they went, wow, we could really go much wider with this. But as soon as anybody found out there were, yeah. and, and even like the Christian market did have enough tight connections that you'd had people that were like, hey, let's get this into the news of the Christian news you know, to say these Mormon guys are making these heresy, you know, evil. <laughs> and so it was, it was terrible. Anytime anybody found out that it was Mormons behind yeah. it, they were just no, 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 no. And so um, they ended up uh, saying, we need to start a whole nother company. We need to basically get an advisory board, make sure everybody's happy with, you know, that there's nothing there that's, you know, basically going to uh, offend other den denominations. And they started a, a company that ended up going huge for a while. What was the name of that company? That's called Nest, Nest Entertainment. It changed several times, Nest yeah. Family. Yeah. And so... Um, and that's where you went and And worked. that's where I went down there. Yep. Yeah, you went and worked down there. Yep. So so the, the model continued to evolve. Mm -hmm. You had uh, eventually a huge 
How how big did the animated catalog become? And so yeah, uh, sixty nine videos. So yeah, <laughs> we uh, you know Book of Mormon was twelve, but then we tried to do a, a, a Joseph Smith kind of series. Not enough demand in the church history, so they just wrapped that one of uh, the Joseph Smith story into the Book of Mormon, and then twelve on the New Testament. But then they later did another series on the New Testament, so twenty four, and then um, uh, the Old Testament twelve, and the heroes became twenty. Yeah, I. so my wife, when my kids were little, she came home one day and she said, hey, good news, we were young and broke. And she said, we just spent a few hundred dollars on these videos and we've got more coming and we've, you know, we've got, we've got all this coming. And I remember just being in shock, like, we're doing what? What, what are we doing? You, what did you yeah, do? What did, what did we do? You know, yeah, it was just, uh, it was kind of funny, you know, and then. I have good memories, and and this will tell you how old I am. Uh, I have great memories of taking a VCR TV combo, strapping it down to like a box crate, and getting a car adapter and driving down to Southern California with my kids, watching Living Scripture videos (laughs) the entire time. Yeah, because it was awesome. It It was. was it was unlike anything else. there was no competition at the time, right? Well, you know, how, how do you compete when it's a 10-year return? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of vision. You know, it really yeah. is. Yeah. So, and then this turned into kiosks. Yeah. Uh, and that was pretty early on, you know, yeah. so w- way back, even probably yeah, the, in the dramatized days, um, they had kiosks and stuff. So they were in malls forever and ever. And that was kind of a revolution too, to be like, hey, would you like a free audio cassette? And eventually, you know, VHS cassette and people were like, yeah, what? You're going to give me a free tape? Well, okay, I'll listen for a minute. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, you know, interestingly enough, they actually set up a big duplication stu- place in Salt Lake. And that's where, you know, so, so some of probably the margins on that weren't too terrible for them to be able to right. hand out stuff yeah. but um but that you know that was the model here's a free dvd to listen to us and and then and you know both for good and bad i mean the truth is is contracts and salespeople sometimes is not the most friendly way to do business and in today's market that's you know almost like what well, you know are, you you want to you know put me in slavery you know it's like yeah you and, and so a contract. lot of people you know were like oh you're putting me in debt and you know i still kind of say well it's not necessarily debt it's an obligation but at the same time yeah, yeah i mean we we should be kind of used to commitments in our church and we should be used to yeah. you know uh, but but at the same time that was the only way it could work we couldn't do this retail because it would go on forever and and it was right. also such an educational product that you you had to really explain this is why you really need this and so it was you know for many many years i'm grateful there's no way in today's market i mean i, I can barely get a three minute video off the ground you know in today's market and so um it, it's just so grateful honestly to all the people like you and and, and your family yeah. that that decided that this is worth investing in and, and it was a big investment and it was great for our family it was a big yeah. investment but uh, we we would watch it, and it gave us something <clears throat> automatic when the kids were little on a Sunday that we didn't have to question. We yeah. didn't have to worry. Yeah. We just put it on, and, and the, the kids love it. It was always the, especially when we had one o'clock church, this is, yeah, this yeah. is immediately where my mind goes <laughs> to with living scriptures, is when we had one o'clock church, that 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. was about 47 hours long, yeah, yeah. trying to keep the kids entertained. And that was living scripture time. So, yeah, yeah. so then uh, suddenly this whole crazy world opens up. You're down in Dallas, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden streaming 
is everything. So there's a few years in between there. Yeah. So so after Dallas, um, you know, I'm trying to help that company, but the, the, there's just the leadership there wasn't into sales, and it was like he's trying to run a sales company, and and he wanted to do internet stuff, and and internet's a tough place, and and so anyway, they just kind of floundered a bit, and um, and that's kind of unfortunate because there's still so much good with those other titles, um, and eventually we still have our eye on that, but um, I eventually moved back here, eventually kind of started getting involved. Um, I, I I, what did I do? I built some Flash page and stuff. And so, like, I just picked up Flash and wow, <laughs> really got a funny That's awesome. But yeah, it was. And it was, it was a fun time for me at that, you know, when I was kind of in the creative department and all that. And then, um, but you know, I've got this accounting degree by then, you know, I've graduated. And, and so then I, that was what kind of pulled me out is it was like, okay, I'm going to get my MBA. That was part of the goal. And so I got into the, the U of U MBA school and then, um, and then, you know, was working a little bit. And then at that point, my dad starts bringing me on little projects and stuff. And yeah. again, he's a good enough salesperson and I'm probably, you know, good enough acquiescer to go, <laughs> sure, I'll help you with that. I'll and try, sure, Dad. I'll do that. You and, bet. And so, but eventually um, what ended up happening is I think I started getting more and more opinionated, I guess. And finally he's like, well, if you, you know, if you think you know it better, <laughs> you can, you're, you know, basically he could see I was basically at the time that you can run the operation. Yeah. And, and this is my dad. It's just like, okay, I've never managed people except for in sales. So I did actually do a couple years of sales for him yeah. um, in my college years. And that was harrowing. I mean, missions are hard. Sales is harder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Door-to-door sales is extremely difficult. I've done it. It's yeah. not easy. Yeah. Because you don't have a companion to keep you pulling you out of bed. And if you want to go mess around, <laughs> you can, you know, and so you just you know, yeah, you don't no get doubt. paid on what you don't sell. So, yeah. so anyhow, um, so I'd, I'd build it up enough chops at that point, accounting and several things, and, and then he just was like, "Okay, you can manage the whole operation at this point." Mm. Was that daunting? <laughs> it was daunting, scary. It was, it was well, because again, it's like people that I grew up with that saw me as a little kid. Now I'm managing them all, right? right? And, and I wasn't managing anybody. All of a sudden, it was like, okay, you're over everything. And so yeah. I'm sure there was probably, well, I know there was at least one person that was just like, what? You know, what are you, what, he's going to manage me, Matt right? Can't man- little Matt. <laughs> little Matt, you little know, Matt the kid we saw, that snot nosed kid, you know, <laughs> I, I used to babysit for you. <laughs> Yeah, now you can just say you're fired. <laughs> yeah, right. You're a terrible babysitter. But see, I, I've I've always been like a collaborator, conciliatory yeah. type of a manager, sure. and I've always tried to make things work. And so, um, and so probably I let some people there a little too long at, at times where it was like this isn't working. That's not the you worst know what I mean? trait, though. That's I know, not and the worst I trait. you know I love them all, you know, but but it's just like sometimes it wasn't working, and then and then the business at, at that point things were really starting to drop off, and so you know yeah. the rise of the good old alarm companies and the pest control companies um and we kind of almost feel like we invented that model which i'm sure we didn't but (laughs) but you know all of a sudden we were we were just you know the money wasn't there right there wasn't enough money to pay our salespeople, and so Mm. they're they're basically going why should i work for you know the company that sells you know good things and i i'll go work for the bug company i see no difference and so you know for me that's always probably been a little bit of an axe but i get it you know if the money's double gotta make money it gets hard to really justify and so um, and so that was a really rough time. Did were there thoughts? You know, you're seeing the model shift, mm-hmm. and, and it wasn't quite there. You know, Netflix was just barely yeah, coming on the scene. But at as that you're point. seeing a model, you're seeing the model shift. Yeah. Was there ever talk? Because it happens a lot in companies. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. you've been through business school. You've heard yeah. a hundred stories. Was there ever talk of okay, our time is done, or was it always no? We need to 
reinvent and change well, the model? I, I, yeah, both, right? <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the question. In other words, the, the, the answer is, I think it became clear that the model was done. Yeah. Right? The model was done. The company wasn't done. The products were still loved. There wasn't w- thought of maybe just sell off the catalog and yeah. walk away? No, not not totally, because it's kind of like, well, who are we going to sell it to? You mm. know? This was just absolutely anguish time, you know, in the business, because every year sales are less, you know? And there was a little plateaus here and there, but every year things are going down, down, and salespeople couldn't maintain. Um, and then the Netflix thing started chewing on us big time, right? Yeah. And, and eventually, you know, by Netflix, you had basically the devaluation of media and DVD, right? Right. And both of those just immediately are like, oh, you know, I don't want it. It's a coaster, you know. And I it don't was want. Fast. <laughs> it was pretty fast. Yeah. Yep. And so, and so, I remember, you know, that there was just kind of a sentiment that it's like the business is dying. The business is kind of dying. But at the same time, um, I had a very dynamic inside sales guy that was able to to prove certain things that there was still demand and mm. there was still. And so while the one side of the business was really floundering. This other side was doing well enough. And so it was like, well, it's not over. And so so basically, finally, I was like, when you tell me, the sales mentor, when you tell me they don't want the DVD, that's when we hit the, like, I guess, eject button. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Well, and not necessarily the business is gone, because now right. we, it, it, basically, at some point, um, we said, we have to do streaming. And so then, then we started doing a hybrid model where it's like, here's the DVD, and you also have access to the streaming. Gotcha. Because right? at that point, too, there was a lot of people who were like, streaming? I don't know what that really is. A lot is. of people didn't have high-speed internet enough. Yeah. I mean, when we got our first streaming service, I, I remember, you know, you, you'd enjoy a minute and a half, then <laughs> the 30 buffer. seconds while it buffered and loaded, and then 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it was, or, or it was iTunes, and it was... I want to watch a movie at seven, so I'm going to start downloading it at four. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it was really different. What so, year did streaming? So this is about begin. Um, well, it really began probably about five, five years ago, maybe six years ago, and it was terrible. Like again, there's like that buffering problems yeah. and stuff. Like, I, and and this is like this was hard because this was the time where it was like okay, I've I've learned how to. Um, uh, condense the business. I've, I'm a 10 year business condenser. We've got to do more with less, more with less, more with less. And, and I think I'm actually very good at that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and it's, it, that's a very painful thing to be good at, right? Like, okay, I got three jobs and I can see how we can offload this and do this. And now it's going to be one job. And, and th- that was just, you know, painful and hard. But, it's hard to do. But at the same, you know, then also this is the next piece for me. And it's like, okay, now you've got to build a streaming service, you know, and you're like, yeah, I haven't really done anything like that before. That's right? a big undertaking. And so I know I'm like, I got to get some other people involved. And so I started, you know, getting some people who'd done a little bit of that kind of work. Mm. But in the end, it was terrible for like the first couple years. Really? Yeah. It was It was not great. Bad user experience? Everything. You yeah. know, it would go down and there, it was just because you're building something and you have to build it while you're flying it. Right. And so if you break yeah. something, then it's like, oh, crap, we, we were crashed. And no, <laughs> yeah, you know, so so that was it was a hard thing. But at the same time, we had the DVD. And so it wasn't like quite as imperative. Yeah. You right? weren't launching something from. I mean, scratch. we had even almost like 50 percent of the people that didn't even log into their streaming account to even try it out. You know what I wow. mean? And so w- when they were getting, oh, here's the DVD and the streaming together. So you have all the content that you guys own that mm-hmm, you've produced mm-hmm. and made 
When was the decision made to do more of... Was that... The, I would call it the Netflix model. And that really. kind of came about... That was actually also a serendipitous event because yeah. um, our sister company down in Dallas um, didn't like that we were bonusing their product. So the way the model would work is like, here's four sets, and then you get all this other bonus product. And so it kind of averaged the price really down to about $20, then $30 a DVD. Yeah. And so that helped, you know... And the, the bonus stuff really got people to get over that $30 a month hump. And so it was like, okay, I'll get all this bonus stuff and so so we were starting to bonus all the heroes and we were paying a lot of money to our sister company for that and again mm. here i am trying to say how can i do more with less and we had this other series called the kids 10 commandments and we were only paying five bucks our cost to to have that whole series and you know to the customer the value is like 30 40 dollars on yeah, that series sure. so so what ended up happening was um i started thinking you know there's probably some other people out there i could collect say a comedy package Let's go to the Hellstorm people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Your, your guy last week. Yeah. Right? Sure. And, and uh, Kurt. Um, I can do, um, there's maybe a Joseph Smith package. Let's go to Candlelight. Yeah. I can do the TC Christensen Miracles Collection. Right. Let's go to TC. Yeah. And so that started, you know, it, I can't remember the first one I did, but then I started getting more and more of these bonus collections. And it also reinvigorated for the Salesforce because they're like, hey, now you're getting 17 Miracles and Ephraim's Rescue. And they were thrilled to have those as bonuses. So you became a distribution company. In the bonus thing, because we'd always yeah. struggled with that. People would come and, and you know, um, Richard Dutcher with God army he came in early and was like jared brown you know can we partner it's kind of like we didn't know how to partner there was not a partnership it's like how am i going to sell your one title door to door it doesn't work right right you were a content company yeah it's hard to break out of that and and a curriculum company and so and so it was like we don't we just didn't know what to do and so when that light bulb went off and i went you know now we can now i can bring in all these other groups and all these things and so then but it was also pretty early on too hey if i'm going to do this i also have to have streaming access you know because they basically purchased this and so they need to have the streaming access too and now people can go on Living Scriptures is a totally yeah. new experience, yeah. different. I mean, from where you were 10 years ago. Yeah. And kind Even of. Even two years ago. You're a completely different company now. And yeah. now your list of titles, we were talking before we started recording. I mean, we've had on the directors and actors of, like, I feel like at least half of what you guys do. Yeah. But then you've still got the full catalog of everything that Living Scriptures has. Yep. And if people want to sign up for yep. Living Scriptures, where do they go? LivingScriptures.com. It's that simple. <laughs> LivingScriptures.com. Yeah. I was so impressed with the amount of content. You've got Drybar Comedy on there, yep. which we've had a lot of the comedians from Drybar yep. on, yep. on here. And it's important to note for our audience, it's not a Latter-day Saint only thing. There's yeah. a lot of Latter-day yeah. Saint content. But there are a lot of other great movies. Yeah. I mean if 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 you know seeing Latter-day State stuff doesn't bristle you then it's going to be great for you. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of stuff that is very Latter-day Saint-oriented, sure. but I'd say maybe only half the catalog is Latter-day Saint-oriented. Yeah, so you if you're just I mean? looking for good family entertainment and something safe, and yeah. I know that like especially I think when kids get into that 10, 11, 12, 13, where, where mom and dad can maybe go out to dinner, yeah. leave for a couple of hours, yeah. and you want to feel safe, it's kind of nice to have something where you can say, you know what, you can watch anything on livingscriptures.com. Yep. How hard is it to vet content? 
Not terrible. I mean, we just have to have someone review it. So you go through yeah. it all, and then we check all the subtitles, which occasionally the there's words that aren't in the subtitles, you know? So if you have the subtitles, you can search for all those words. Yeah. And um, and so just a couple times we've had customers, I mean, we have, it's, it's you know, almost like hilarious. You're always, that, that yeah. they're like, I heard a swear word, we're canceling today. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're, you're always going to have somebody, yeah. You know, and you're like, do you realize the amount of work we put in, you know? And it's like, yes, <laughs> making gonna, sure you know, it's, it's a thank you. Yeah. We'll pull that out we'll get rid of that you know yeah. we we almost always have the rights to to pull you know certain little swear words and stuff out of which, course which again you know there's lots of really good films out there that have a couple cuss words and if you don't want that then great we are the we are the channel for you but, 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 but people can trust unfortunately you've spent enough years building up yeah building up trust a couple of things were about at time but a couple things you did get married you do have kids yes, yes. somewhere in that whole process <laughs> yep uh, does your wife work with you on on the business? A little bit. We just talk about stuff here and there. You yeah, know? she's got her hands. Well, we got a set of twins. So my the, gosh. So so the twins just Bless were you. you know one hundred and twenty percent of our time for the first six months, and then you know they they you know that that calms down eventually. But uh, they're they're wonderful, and you know the family's great, and she you know she's That's a school awesome. psychologist that she's trained in that, and so mm. she just loves doing the stuff with the kids, and yeah, and so but yeah, we definitely look over stuff, and she definitely gives me advice. My daughter you know the six-year-old when are you gonna get um strawberry shortcake because i yeah. told her that's an option we, we and so we finally got that you know and and there's oh, just cool, cool awesome stuff and and again my my goal on the channel itself is is again virtuous lovely praiseworthy good report right is it gonna just elevate the human spirit um is there you know we also don't want bad stuff in there right but you want good and that's the important yeah. part and your catalog definitely shows that how is it working with your dad now Oh great, he's yeah. retired. <laughs> yeah, he's he's stepped away. But no, I mean he's. Oh, I, I was surprised because he's such a dominant personality that I I was very worried when I first started in the yeah. business that he would be a little too much in my business, you know. And mm-hmm. and he gave me my space. And and at this point, basically, I mean, I don't know about two or three years ago. Um, I mean, once it became the CEO, there was a little bit of a still. I'm not sure about my CEO ness, but um, I finally hit a point a couple about two years ago that was like, okay, I trust I what. I'm do doing. This. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, we are going to wrap up with the question we ask all of our guests. And that is, Matt, what does being a member of the church mean to you? Hmm. I guess it's, uh, for me, it's a whole lot. You know, obviously, uh, to me, there's a, being a member of the church is the church, but you know it's it's my testimony with the Savior. Um, the church is the facilitator to help grow that, and and you know I've been writing certain things and just how I, I had an aha of how grateful I am to all the people who have put so much of their life into my life. You know, all the seminary teachers, all the you know all the prophets, and all the people that have inspired me and helped me to become what I am um, because I'm a lover of doc- good doctrine, a lover of of good things. And so, um, I love, I love the church. I love, um, the gospel. I love the light that it brings to us. So it's great. He is a husband, a father, (laughs) an accountant, which is amazing, but, uh, so impressive. The CEO of living scriptures, Matt Brown, thank you so much for sharing your latter day life with us. Appreciate it. And my special thanks to Matt Brown. What an amazing guy, right? I mean, he has so much excitement about the gospel. I just loved sitting and talking with him. Uh, This week in my Latter-day life, I'm sure it looked a lot like your Latter-day life this week as we're all 
uh, a little bit quarantined. And uh, again, this has been very difficult. And there are parts of it that are easier. I mean, I do work from home. I My heart goes out to those of you who your work has been affected by this crisis. And it's just really tricky to understand. And I don't know about you, but for a few days there, I got really obsessed with trying to understand the data. And what does it mean and what's happening in other countries? And I just couldn't get enough of it. And I'd find myself getting online and I'd be looking up all the data I could. And one, one of the tricky things is I'd read a renowned worldwide expert saying, hey, this isn't going to be that bad. We're going to get through it. It'll be quick and it'll be okay. And then you read the next renowned expert or you listen to him speak or you watch a video and they say, uh, hey, this is going to be horrible. It's going to take years and it's going to be just the worst thing ever. And I felt like I was getting lots of uh, different messages. And I was sitting one night and I felt like I was going deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. And I am not a generally anxious person. I do have anxiety like anybody, uh, but not an overwhelming amount. You know, usually I can kind of take things as they come. But I started to feel really anxious. I started to feel a lot of anxiety in my soul. Now, not only have I been looking up all of this other information, but each morning I've been trying to go back and listen to a conference talk uh, from the 2019 conference from October uh, to get myself really prepared for the upcoming conference. And it was really funny uh, because as I was starting to feel anxious and all this frustration as to why is this and clicking on that website and clicking on that website and watching this video and everything else, suddenly a phrase came into my head and into my heart that gave me so much peace. And the phrase was, what we need here is less Wi-Fi and more Nephi. <laughs> and that was from a talk by Terrence Vinson. Uh, from this past conference, and I had just listened to it two days before I was having this uh, difficult time trying to figure things out. And all of a sudden, I was flooded with so much peace, and I logged out of all the websites I had been looking at and went and did some scripture study. And there is so much peace to be had, even in these turbulent times, in studying the gospel. And as I really look at it, and I go back and I see what happened to the Lord's people during the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Book of Mormon, our pioneer heritage, all throughout time, how righteous people have had to go through major, major trials. But the message is that God has not forgotten us. He is with us. And I'm so grateful for the study. I'm grateful I had listened to that talk and that that little uh, tidbit jumped into my mind. And I decided, you know what? It's really important that we know what's going on with this virus and we know what's happening in the world, but it can become all-consuming. And then we can forget who's really in charge, who really knows what's going to happen, who has the power to bless our lives, who created this entire earth. You know, last week we had Scott Sorensen on with Gainalyn Condi, and uh, Scott talked about his book, Come Follow Me Through the Book of Mormon, and uh, I ordered it. And I got it this week, and I'm now studying with it. Oh, there are so many wonderful tools. There are conference talks. Uh, there's so much more now on the church app and on the websites. There's so much good out there. And I think that's the combat to the anxiety of the information overload, at least for me. Because I get overwhelmed. You hear one person say, hey, do this. And then the next person says, whatever you do, don't do that. Do this instead. It's hard to know. 
But when we really need peace, we need truth. And truth is found in the scriptures. Less Wi-Fi, more Nephi, and we're going to get through this together. I'm so, so grateful to live at a time when the restored gospel of Jesus Christ is here on the earth to soothe my soul. And that's what's happening this week in my latter-day life. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We really appreciate it. If you know someone who might enjoy the show, if you could share it with them, especially as everybody's locked down and looking for uplifting content, we've had such amazing guests. We would appreciate it. If you want to reach out to me directly, I can be reached at sean at latterdaylives.com. That's S-H-A-W-N at latterdaylives.com. We are on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, You can definitely find us there and interact with us there. We would love to see you. And I think that that is about it for this week. So until we meet again, yes, there is still a great, big, beautiful world out there. Don't go be in it the same way. Definitely don't be of it. But let's make this world a better place. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 